Well, good morning. Um, Thanksgiving morning in Liberia. We celebrate, or they celebrated Thanksgiving last month. Um, there go along with those Canadians, I guess, who think that you should be more thankful in October than in November. Um, well, well, they'll come around at some point, I suppose. Um, we are thankful this morning. I'm thankful to be here. I'm sorry that my wife, Naomi, um, is not here with me. Uh, I'm well aware that she's the better half, and um, she would love to be here, but um, we have a, along with the rest of the crew, we have a six-month or six-week-old now um, at home, and so it was best for, for, I think, for the kids and Naomi to to stay, and uh, she thinks it's best that I hurry home afterwards. Um, So we've been here at Happy Valley um, several times. I was trying to remember if it's been if this is our third or our fourth visit here. Um, and so I'm sorry if my introdu- if you already know who I am and I'm introducing myself again, and if you have to introduce yourself again. <laughs> um, but um, we're, we're glad, we're thankful for that. Um, Daniel Elliott is my name. Um, and I just want to introduce you, uh, refresh, if, 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 if you know them already, refresh you if you're new to, to our family, um, let you know. Uh, the, the beautiful people behind me, um, so my wife, Naomi, um, and then we have a basketball team now, um, and someone asked me, I said, I don't think we're going to go for the baseball team, and I said, well, what about hockey? I, I think we're good there, too, so at least for now. Um, so we've got in the red shirt there um, in the back next to Naomi is Samuel, our oldest. He'll be 11 in January. Mara is nine, our only daughter. Um, Joshua is seven next to her, and then on my lap is Isaac, who will be three in December, and then Nathaniel, who joined us on October 5th. So that's um, my family. Those are the people that I wish you could meet because they're, again, they're a lot more fun than I am. Um, You can go to the next slide. Um, So I, in case you don't know, I grew up on the mission field in Bolivia. Um, I felt in high school um, that I was when I felt the call into missions, into ministry. Um, and being a senior in high school, the natural place to go was the local girls' home. Um, so that's that picture on the side. Um, but, but, but I did, I've, I've felt um, as a senior in high school that God has called me into missions. I'm going to the next slide. Uh, My parents were in Bolivia for about 30 years, and so I grew up there um, before coming to the States for college, so that was kind of a weird cultural shock. Um, Naomi, on the other hand, grew up in western Wisconsin. Um, She grew up showing horses, doing things, but she still grew up in a Christian home. Uh, Felt the call to ministry earlier than I did, Um, and I guess that's why she got to do things like dress up as an Easter bunny. Um, but she, she, she's, she has a heart. I mean, if you've met her, you know she has a heart for people and is willing to do um, whatever she needs to do in order to uh, minister and love on people. Go on to the next slide. Um, so we met in Montana. We got married. And as you already know, we had a bunch of kids. Um, but headed to the mission field, I'm convinced that that's what God had called us to do. Uh, we started out in, with, you can go, go on to the next slide. Um, We're with Evangelical Church Missions. We will be with Evangelical Church Missions until the end of this year. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. Um, So 10 years ago is when we were first, uh, uh, 
I guess, signed on the dotted line. Um, <laughs> that made us, if that makes you a professional missionary, I don't know, but um, that was it. And we went first uh, to Bolivia from 2014, uh, or 2014 is when we were assigned to Bolivia. Uh, we're actually on the ground there for about two years before we were reassigned to Liberia. Um, I think Mike was mentioning this morning, Naomi's, part of Naomi's testimony in being a missionary was she didn't want to go to Africa. Um, and so we thought we had avoided that at first with going to Bolivia, but then here we are in, in Liberia. If you don't know, you go on to the next slide. Uh, where Liberia is, it's in West Africa. It's sub-Saharan Africa, so that's below the Saharan Desert. Um, there's a part of the year where, we, yeah, we get sand from, blown over from the Sahara, um, but it's a lot more, uh, Liberia's a lot wetter uh, than the, the desert. It's, it's, a, it's a subtropical climate. It has actually some of the, the most uh, virgin forest that remains in West Africa is in Liberia. Um, Liberia has about 5 million people according to the latest census, a little over 5 million. About one and a half of those million live in the capital city of um, Monrovia, and I don't know how big it is up here. You might be able to see the big red square there. That's where we lived. We did not live in the jungle, um, depending on your preferences. Um, that's good or bad. Uh, you can go to the next slide. Uh, we live in the city of Monrovia. Um, so it's, it's the capital city of Liberia, so it has a lot you can probably find what you're looking for um, in Liberia if it doesn't require 24-hour power or um, a guaranteed cold room or um, no traffic to get there. Now, it, things, that, things are improving little by little. Um, I don't know if you remember, but from the 80s until the early 2000s, Liberia went through a series of several civil conflicts, and Liberia was the place, Monrovia was the, the destination to go in West Africa um, in like the, the 60s, the 70s, because it had better education than the nations around it. It was known as like a luxury den for people who want to go have expensive vacations. Um, and all that changed throughout the wars. And then, of course, um, about 10 years ago, they had the Ebola crisis that came through West Africa, and that affected Liberia. Um, and then when everything was shut down around the world during the COVID um, crisis, um, that pushed all the infrastructure and everything back a little bit again, too. And as the world economy continues to struggle a little bit from that, Liberians are not immune. You can go on to the next slide. Um, whoops. I'll get that in a minute. But... Um, so Liberia is a very, very young nation. Everywhere you go, you see children here and there doing, uh, doing everything. Um, and so the, the average Liberian is only, or the, the median age in Liberia is only 18. Um, so half of, the, half of the population are, are, are children. Um, if, I hate to tell you this, but in the United States, that's not the case. Um, the average age in the US is, I think it's like 36 now, 35, 36. Um, so, because I am the average American now. Um, but uh, you go to Liberia and I can feel a little bit, little bit older, I guess. Um, but Liberia, you can just go to the next slide too if you, if you want. Uh, it's a very friendly country, very friendly um, people. They're very welcoming generally of outsiders. Um, apparently. And so that's a lot of fun for us. They like music. 
they like to move in their rhythm. And I don't know if you can see in that last photo the, the drum there that was that they were playing for their, their special. You don't have you don't have a worship service without a drum um, or drum set. Uh, but the but the young people in, in Liberia, because of the, the challenges of the fairly recent past, um, there, and, and having a, a young population, you can imagine some of the unique challenges and opportunities that exist there. Um, and just uh, four of those that I want to quickly or mention be, um, was is that children in Liberia, often they're not being raised in a two-parent home. And the family structure in Liberia was greatly disrupted, uh, especially during the Civil War. Um, and a bunch of people came into the cities for, um, for safety and to flee, flee the war. I, I want to say Liberia or Monrovia grew about 10 times uh, its original population because of, because of the wars and families broken up. Um, so a lot of children are being raised even today still by, by single moms, maybe by their grandma, by an aunt or an uncle, um, something like that. Uh, education in Liberia, or let me back up. The feeding children is a challenge. I mentioned the the strain from the economy. Liberia doesn't grow a lot of its own food. Um, they like to eat rice, like a lot of the world, and that doesn't grow very well in Liberia, and so they bring it in from other places, and so a lot of people, because it's a, Liberia is a poor nation, can't afford to feed their families the amount that they would like to. Um, thirdly, the education in Liberia um, is like almost every other developing country um, in the world where it's, it's struggling to keep up. Um, with the demands, first of all, the amount of kids that need educated, and then secondly, to provide a quality education that allows the children to um, be competitive in an increasingly global economy. Um, it's not that there's not enough schools in Liberia. Anybody who wants to can open what they call a backyard school um, in their backyard, uh, but there's no guarantee that if you go to send your kids to that school, they'll come out of the school knowing anything different than what or anything, learning anything that they didn't already know when they started, started going. And then, of course, the last uh, challenge is that a lot of these kids are growing up not really knowing um, what it is to know Christ and what it, and that Jesus loves them. Um, in the in the cities in Liberia, especially in, in Monrovia, almost anybody you ask, you know, what's your religion or what do you believe? Is, well, I'm a Christian, and um, and and that means. Usually that I go to a church, it often will also mean that I give my offering, even in the offering plate, because that's what my pastor tells me to do. Um, and, you know, I might even go to Bible study during the week or prayer meeting. Um, but it doesn't take you long to, of observing people's lives before you realize that a lot of people who call themselves Christian in Liberia are just like a lot of people here, I think, that would say I'm a Christian, but Jesus pretty much is, is put or kept in, in within the church context and in, within my personal life, he doesn't have a whole lot of influence. Um, and so we go to the next slide. We work in Liberia with a group called the Liberia Evangelical Mission. It's a sister denomination of the evangelical church here in, in, in the U.S. And the individual churches around saw, saw the needs for, of their congregation and their community and began to respond by opening schools. When we went to Liberia, there were our churches had four different schools they were running, um, all elementary schools. One of them is actually only up through kindergarten still. Uh, we have two in the countryside, and then we had two in um, the city. 
And this picture is of our national school board that was formed in April. Another thing that we're thankful for there, and I'll talk about that again in just a minute after I get to the rest of this story. Go to the next slide. Um, and so this, they began these schools that kids started to come. Um, and that's where we, that was a situation when we arrived and uh, the same challenges that exist in schools elsewhere in Liberia existed in our schools, which is that kids weren't necessarily coming with food in their stomachs and so it was hard to concentrate to eat, uh, to, to learn. Um, teachers were, are not necessarily qualified as teachers. Uh, our schools do try to at least hire people that have graduated from high school. Um, and and then just the fact that children cannot afford, or parents can't afford to pay much tuition to send their kids to school. There is a public school system in Liberia, um, but by the time you pay all the, the little fees that they get you here and there, even without paying tuition, you end up paying as much or more as you might um, at some of these uh, private schools. So we began to work with our schools to help try to increase um, the quality of the schools. And so over the last two years especially, um, we can go to the next slide. We've been working with um, teacher development, helping our teachers. We've hosted some training workshops, whether that's through me. Um, I'm a teacher by trade. Um, whether we had a pastor from the U.S. that's come over three times, he's also a teacher, um, to do some workshops. They have a national uh, or local trainers come in as well. Um, we've helped the schools have worked to help put some of their teachers through teaching college so that they get their certification from the government, so they have a little bit better idea of what's going on in the classroom and managing their students and their classroom and their curriculum. The next slide. We've been working on curriculum development. The curriculum in Liberia is not all that great. You can probably say that about a lot of government curriculums throughout the world. Uh, and so this last year, one of the issues is they don't have a very good program for preschool. Um, and, and it's very hard to get the training and the, and the, the um, permission to use that curriculum. So last year we put in place a preschool curriculum um, that allowed the children that were coming, they send their kids to preschool starting, a lot of librarians like to do it like age two. Um, and up, and there was a point where I was like, why are these kids acting like two-year-olds? And because I'm used to, you know, like maybe four, four-year-old preschools, like, oh, okay, <laughs> remember this, remember this. Um, but a lot of times, you know, they're stuck in, kids are stuck in small classrooms. There's one teacher for maybe uh, 20 or 30 kids, um, and they don't have materials for the students. They'll have a copy book, and the way curriculum works in Liberia is you copy down what the teacher writes up on the blackboard. It doesn't work too well for two, three, four-year-olds. So instead of copying it down, the teacher has to write in each copybook the lesson for the day. You know, so if it's tracing the letter B, you know, she might have to make 60 or 100 Bs um, for her class to trace. And while she's doing that, um, the students are sitting at their desks or tables doing what two and three and four-year-olds do when they're all shoved together without much supervision. And so we were able to, to put in place a, a curriculum that allowed the teachers to spend more time teaching and working with their um, students and giving the students more opportunity to, to be moving around, to be playing, to be learning and exploring um, as, and doing that. And then uh, we've also been able to help um, 
or work with an, an NGO, a nonprofit organization in Liberia that trains teachers for literacy. Um, Liberia, sorry, I forgot this part, but Liberia speaks English as its official language, and so all education is in English. Um, so there's a program called Liberia Reads that is designed specifically to teach Liberian teachers how to teach their students how to read, and they provide the curriculum. And um, it's, it's a great program, and we've been blessed to get two of our schools through the training and start that. Our first school just finished their first year using that. Um, and saw tremendous success, and we're excited to see where that continues to go. Go to the next slide. Um, and then to help fund all of this, we started a children education and feeding um, fund. Uh, we marketed it as here as the 15 fund. You may or may not have heard of it. Um, and so we were trying to help raise, raising the quality of your school requires that the school has some resources so they continue to be, um, to improve, and so we worked uh, with them on doing that so that their kids could have, they could help their ki their students eat, help their students to begin uh, to learn more quality in the school. Um, and then the last, or the next slide, um, the, as we're doing this, you know, there's, there's this, we mentioned the spiritual need in Liberia is great, and that's certainly the reason that we were in Liberia. Um, last time we were here, you might remember Naomi talking about um, a girl named Rachel, um, who had started in school. She was in second grade, and she was 14 or 15 years old. Um, and so for girls like Rachel, Naomi had started a couple of Bible study groups using a curriculum that we call the Shine Bible Study that was written um, by another missionary lady to Africa um, to help teach young ladies um, that their value um, in, in, Af in, in Liberia um, as a woman, your value is often seen as being able to, to get a boyfriend or a husband. Um, to do that, you have to prove that you can, that you're, you can have children. Um, so you want to have children as early, often as early as you can in life. And if you f choose not to follow that path, the path left for you then is to go to you know, go on to get as much education as you can and be as qualified of a person as you can to try to get a job. Um, and Naomi uh, wanted to teach these girls that that's not where your value comes from, right? There, there is value in being a good mom. There's value in being um, a professional. But that's not your identity. Your identity is in Christ. And so she really worked um, to, to love on these girls and, and help them to see that. And so we were asking people last time we were in the States to... Pray for Rachel and, and, and these other girls. And Naomi did have to scale back these Bible studies the last couple of years because um, she homeschools all of our kids. And so as more of them came to school age, she had less time to, to do this, these Bible studies. But um, I guess just as a, she's not here and I can brag on her as much as I want. And um, no, but just as a testament of what the Lord did today, you know, Rachel is doing really, really well. Um, she's about to graduate from, or she did just graduate from the elementary school that we have in, in her neighborhood. Um, and I pray that she'll be continuing on into, to, to continue her education. Um, but she seems to be following very faithfully with the Lord. When Naomi was getting, when we were getting to, we left Liberia in May, the end of May. Um, and so three of her shine girls, including Rachel, had saved up their lunch money that their parents had been giving them um, 
for school so they could buy ingredients and make a special meal to thank Naomi. Um, and she remains in contact with, with one of them who does have a phone and access to the internet, um, you know, and, and, and gets nice messages from them. And, and, and what she, the message they keep giving her is, thank you for showing us, um, you know, that we have as much value, essentially what they're saying is as a white person. Um, and in Liberia, it's, it's funny to me because when you're dealing with, um, that's my alarm that I'm running out of time. Um, anyway, so she's, so she's been in contact with that. We've been thankful for the way that the Lord has worked in that. You can go to the next slide. Uh, we do have some changes that are coming. Um, we are transitioning from evangelical church missions to world partners. Um, I don't know how much you're aware of the changes that are happening in the denomination, but the one that specifically affects us is that at the end of this year, ECM will no longer be a mission and sending organization. Um, and so all of the evangelical church missionaries are, have transferred or are in the process of uh, the word they choose is migrating um, to world partners, uh, which is the missions arm of another denomination called the Missionary Church USA. Um, so we're in the middle of that and certainly a Appreciate your prayers as we figure out what, you know, learn basically the, the administrative changes in, in that. Um, part of the changes also that are happening is that we're no longer going to be living in Liberia. We'll be living in the States, and then I'm making visits back and forth um, to Liberia to help where I can. Um, one of the things that we really want to work on is helping the schools to move forward and to be thriving and flourishing, but to be able to do that as much as possible on their own. We didn't start the schools. It was never our intention to come in and take over the schools, that the churches had started to take over the ministry. We want to help them and support them as best we can. Um, and this seems like a pretty good, like the next step um, is, is to be, have a little bit more distance. And then on, on the personal family side, we had some medical issues and things that weren't able to be dealt with. Um, in Liberia, and so it made sense to us um, to be back here in the States for now. Um, so our goals over the next years are to help facilitate, continue to facilitate the teacher and curriculum development in our schools. We want to foster and promote, have self-sufficient there, but really what I want is thriving and flourishing schools. Um, and then to make through these schools and through the, the teachers there and the testimony in the schools to, to make disciples at the LEM schools. Um, and let's see, I know I'm running up a little bit. Before we go to the next slide, I just wanted to share a little bit. One of the things that I've been praying about, what do we, what, what should I share with the churches that I'm visiting um, over this year? Um, before we, or besides what's going on in Liberia. And the scripture that the Lord has put on my heart is Luke chapter 10. Um, and in it, Jesus, at the beginning, Jesus sends out 72 workers to the, to the, to his, to the fields. And, you know, and they come, and he says, go, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And those few workers go out. And, oh, and, and he says, pray for, pray earnestly that, that the, Lord will send out more laborers to the harvest. And they come back and they're excited because, you know, they even saw demons subject to them in the name of Jesus. 
And Jesus says, that's great. But don't forget what you should really be grateful for. And that's that your name is written in heaven. And then from there we move on a little bit. Just down we get to the parable of the Good Samaritan. We have a lawyer who also asks the question, who asks the question, you know, what must I do? What should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus does what he often does and asks the question back and says, well, what does the scripture say? How do you read it? And he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And Jesus says, or and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, that's good. That's exactly it. Go do this and you will live. Um, but if you're familiar with the passage, the lawyer's not really responding receptive to that. He must have known that there was something, that he, some way he wasn't loving his neighbor. Um, but Jesus, you know, tells a story and tells him to go at the end to go and do likewise, like the Samaritan, the half-breed, the, the one that we don't as Jews have anything to do with. Um, and I'm not sure how that, we don't know how that lawyer responded. And then finally, we end up in chapter 10, verse 38. And if I can just read that, 38 to 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And I studied this passage um, last, last year a little bit, um, and I didn't catch until recently. You know, the one thing is, of course, Mary sat and listened at Jesus' feet. Martha got distracted with all, these, all the things that were probably good, expected of her as she was hosting Jesus and his disciples. But Martha sat at Jesus' feet and listened. Jesus sent out his 72 disciples, not to tell them whatever it was, whatever they wanted to tell the crowds, but to tell them what they had learned when they sat at Jesus' feet and listened. Jesus told us, we're going to get into heaven, we love the Lord your God, and we do that by sitting at his feet and listening. And then we go out and we love our neighbors, and we do these things. And it's easy um, when when your job is supposed to be ministry, it's easy to, to get caught up in the many things and the, you know, get busy working on curriculum, maybe the next teacher seminar, uh, maybe how to get water and power to your home <laughs> because you haven't had them for a while. Um, and you forget that what we really need to do is just sit and listen to Jesus and then go. He, he asked us to pray to, that the Lord would send out more workers. Um, and I think we are those workers that Jesus told his followers to, um, to pray that, that the Lord would send out. And so uh, just four ways, um, real quick, if, if, that you could help us in ministering in Liberia, you could partner with us. Um, the first is to pray. Um, I see it. I'll have to go back and fix that. I, not sure what happened there. Um, well, the first thing you can do is to pray. In your bulletin, there is a prayer card and an envelope. And you just take this and put it somewhere. Um, you can put the magnet right up there. Um, 
and pray, pray for us when you see it. Pray for Liberia. Um, we're thankful uh, that things are peaceful there now. They just finished their uh, first presidential election since peacekeeping forces left the nation, and things went well. Um, and, and so pray for us. Pray for the schools. Pray for the testimony of the teachers as they minister to the students. Um, Liberia does not have a lot of mature Christians. That includes our teachers, and so they need growth as well. They need shepherding and um, continued discipleship. The second thing you can do is to champion. And I, I was going to ask my dad, and I forgot. Um, we're looking for people in every church that we visit who would be willing to champion Liberia, and that just means to be willing to receive a, more constant updates than everybody else and to keep your church family, your small group, your Sunday school, whoever, involved and, and, and keep, keep them up to date on what's going on in the ministry in Liberia. Um, the third way is to give, and that's in these envelopes. You can just look here, and that gives you an opportunity to do that if you feel the Lord is, is calling you to do that. I know our budget this year is about $10,000 a month, and um, as in the, at least in the new World Partners platform last month, we got about $5,000. So um, that's, as far as I can tell where we are in the transition, you know, things are <laughs> a little bit, um, I'm sure there's something there that I don't know about, but uh, you can also look, sign up um, for praying and for um, giving at www.wpartners.org and then the slash ECM will just take you to uh, make it easy to find um, not just us, but if you know, if, if, if you pray for wool heaters or cannies or my parents, Gordon and Nikki Elliott. And the last one I have is go. Okay, we're ca called to go out and serve. And, and I think in the U.S., we've really stopped calling, asking young people if they're being called to serve in the ministry. So I challenge you, if you are a young person, um, to pray. I have the let in there. Because I know when we went to Liberia, it was difficult for Naomi's parents to let go, especially of their daughter and their grandchildren, to, to be free to follow God's will for their life. And I was just, my dad told me recently, my, I, I, I forgot to say, we work with my parents in Liberia, we did. And my dad, having lived there, wasn't sure. He wanted missionaries, more missionaries to come. He wasn't sure that he wanted his son <laughs> and good daughter-in-law and his grandchildren to come to the country because it was a little bit of a tough place to live, to serve. Um, so if you're in a position where you know you're where God wants you to, to be, maybe you have family um, that you're holding on to a little bit tighter uh, than maybe you should. And so I'm just challenging um, you to, to consider and, and encourage the people that are close to you in your life to follow that God wherever He's leading them. And I trust most of you are doing that, but just a reminder to do that today. Um, thank you so much uh, for letting me uh, be here this morning. And um, if you have other, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, good question. We are living in western Wisconsin. We're about 20 miles from my in-laws, um, hoping that, believing that will be a, a blessing to them, hope, <laughs> hopefully, and that they won't tell us to go back to Africa. Um, <laughs> but we, there's some, <clears throat> just in, in it, that's where we, where we ended up um, due to some family things. So, good question. 
And if there's any other questions, I'd, I'd love to talk to you downstairs in between mouthfuls. And um, again, thank you so much for letting me, having me today.